Welcome to Mosaic Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Mosaic Church, Leeds, based in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information on Mosaic Church, please visit mosaic-church.org.uk. Thank you for listening. Great. Well, um, my name is Matt, and uh, I'm one of the leaders here, and it's my privilege tonight to sort of lead us through what is our second week now in looking at the future of Mosaic Church. And... Um, uh, just two weeks ago, I, I looked at understanding the future, and then we obviously had Love Nations. We had a fantastic time last weekend uh, getting God's heart for this nation and the nations of the world. And so this Sunday, uh, I'm wanting to look at committing to the future of Mosaic Church. And so really, this is like the response. I'm going to sort of fill you in with all the big news just really briefly But then I want to move on to say, okay, well, what does that mean for us? What does that look like? And uh, what are we asking of one another? Um, Just to say, this is a bit more of a, like, half-time team talk, break out the oranges sort of thing, rather than a normal preach. So most Sundays, we take some scripture and just work through verse by verse. I'm not going to do that tonight. So I feel sort of these couple of... couple of weeks, I really want to spend the time making very clear sort of our plans for the future. Um, But if you come back next week for our special offering, we'll be sort of doing, getting a verse out, looking at, uh, getting some scripture out, looking at it verse by verse. And in a couple of weeks' time, we begin a brand new preaching series uh, called Kings, Prophets and Monsters. And it's based in 1 Samuel. We're going to spend about 10 weeks looking at it. It should be an absolutely amazing time uh, in that book of the Bible. And uh, what a great title. I wonder who came up with that. <laughs> All about me. Okay. Um, what do you say about do this humbly tonight? I've not done a very good start. Okay, let me pray. Jesus, please help us tonight. Uh, we're looking to you. Thank you that you're with us. And we ask, Heavenly Father, that you'd take these few minutes together and you would speak. And you'd give us a vision for the local church that makes us want to buy in with everything that we've got. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So tonight we're looking at the future of Mosaic Church. Um, If you've been around us for a while, you know five things that we hold very dearly here. It's almost like the train tracks that keep us in line. Uh, And we call them the five loves. Loving God, loving each other, loving the city, loving the underprivileged, and loving the nations of the world. And we feel like that is the biblical mandate for what local churches should give themselves to. And we feel if we sort of stick to those five we're going to be doing the right thing. And our idea is to take what we value here and look to how we can use that to reach this city. And so our big news is that in 12 months' time, we're going to move from being one church in one location to being one church in three locations around the city. We're going to go to the north. So we've got a little map here, I think. We're going to go to the north. We're going to go to north central and to the south of the city. And we're also going to have a central hub, which we can use for offices, to meet, to pray, to do training, and maybe to hold intro. And the idea is, in order for us to reach a local and diverse city, we need local and diverse churches. So my hope is that these gatherings, uh, which will meet at different times during the day, uh, will look quite different from one another because the idea is that we try and do them in such a way that they relate most to the people in that neighborhood. Each gathering will have one or two people that are going to lead it and then with a very committed core team and then hopefully many more people 
um, like yourselves that are going to be involved in serving, in leading mission groups, forming accountability groups, and living out the gospel in everyday life. Initially, uh, Dan Chabwick and I were both uh, elders, both leaders here. We're going to sort of um, almost uh, be the central elders uh, that are going to be serving locally. And this is how we're going to start things off. But my hope is more elders will come through and we'll sort of work out how we do it from there. But the initial plan is to start with central elders and um, getting involved locally. Um, we're going to continue uh, doing Mission Group Sundays, our first of which is just in a few weeks' time, and that's where we don't gather on a Sunday, but we ask mission groups to do whatever they want to do as long as it fosters a sense of community and mission. And instead of holding a meeting here at the building, we're going to be running Launchpad, which is for anyone that's not in a mission group or anyone that wants to get more involved. So we've got four of those this year, and I hope you see it's a very sort of nice build-up as mission groups may cluster together in their neighborhoods to what we're going to be moving to in the next 9 to 12 months. Not only that, not only is that what's the, sort of the big news in Mosaic, but Steve and Leanne Vaughan, uh, Steve's part of the leadership team here, are going to be moving to Dublin. Uh, Steve has got hundreds of years' worth of history in Dublin. He's half Irish, and um, that goes a long way in trying to reach Irish people. And so probably at the end of the summer, we're going to be sending him and his family to Dublin, but they're going to stay in sort of having really good links to what we do here at Mosaic. So that's the plan. One church, three gatherings, and sending Stephen Leanne off to church plant in Dublin. And so I want to ask, really at this point, what does that mean for all of us? What really, in some senses, are we asking from you guys? And I've got about seven ingredients that I want to race through this evening, and I hope you find it helpful. And I guess in your mind, what I want you to be doing is thinking, you know, what, which, I'd be surprised if any of you could do all of them, but if I was to choose a top three, what would be my top three? So I'm going to make my way through them, and number one, and this is cheating because I've put two things in one, more mission and more community. First, the idea is that people gather closer to their homes. And by doing that, we hope we breed sort of a, a lot greater ownership of people's communities and be able to invite people that don't want to travel uh, too long a distance instead of commuting into one big place, which disconnects people from where they actually live. And the idea is that this will only work, guys, because it's a great theory, it will only work if all of us engage in everyday mission. So I found out these stats just recently, but in London, the number of people, the percentage of people that go to church at least once a month is about 10% of the population. In Yorkshire, it's 0.9%. So it's a dramatic difference from our capital. And then in terms of evangelical Christians, Bible-loving Christians, that figure drops to about 0.4% of the population would go to church once a month. That is equivalent to Japan or Portugal or perhaps other places which in your mind you think they're sort of, that's where the mission field is. Winston, Yorkshire is one of the most unreached counties in the UK. 
So our mission is huge, and in no way as we move to one church, multiple gatherings, are we trying to hold back on mission. We've got to go for mission. But my sense is that we can't do that in isolation. We must do community at the same time. And in fact, the Trinity really is our example of a perfect blend of a loving, glorifying community that has a joint mission. But even Jesus, at the pinnacle of his mission, he felt alone and isolated. It's a very difficult balance, this mission and community. And it's like a slippery slope. Because if you dig in and just focus on community, so I'm not reaching out to anyone else, I just want to be loved and love the people around me, then that easily leads to inwardness and everything will go very stale very quickly and there'll be no impetus for anyone to serve, to lead, to use any of their gifts and the whole thing will just collapse in on itself. But too much focus on mission means that people will feel overlooked and forgotten, and especially, this is what tends to happen, especially those of you that have been around the longest, that remember what it was like before we went to this change, or you remember what it was like when the church was 100 people, or 50 people. And so, what is the answer? Do we do community? Do we do mission? No, the answer is we do both. And we hold both very, very tightly. And so in this case, the church is much more like an ambulance on the move rather than a hospital, moving forward at speed but offering commitment to those in need. And uh, Chris Taylor spoke a lot about this, I think, uh, at Love Nations, that we're not meant to be this container where we hold on to God's blessing, but we're meant to be a funnel. So we receive a blessing and then bless the nations of the world. We're not meant to be uh, just a lake enjoying got for us, but we're meant to be a river that runs out to the nations of the world. And so what am I asking of you? I'm asking first ingredient is both mission and community. So can everyone say that? More mission, more community? More mission, more community. Great. A few smiles as well. That's nice. Okay, number two, more communication. We must keep talking about this transition. Transition. And to do this, we simply need you to be honest. So I would love it, guys, if however you feel, good or bad, about the move that we're doing, it's really important you talk about it. And first and foremost, that's with your accountability partner. If you have one, then it's in your mission groups. And then if you want to chat to any of the leaders, we're more than happy to talk to you about your difficulties. Try your utmost to do it with a good heart. But if you can't do it with a good heart, make sure you do it, okay? And we will try and smile and show you lots of grace as you're shouting in our faces. Um, It's more important that you get to talk rather than just remaining silent. And if you remain silent, bitterness will grow. And as bitterness grows, you will just leave the church. You probably won't kick up a fuss. You will just leave quietly. And we do not want that to happen. This is your family. So listen, you don't have to agree. You don't have to be really happy right now. It's okay to go on a journey. And in fact, I've spoken to a number of people. One of the first people I told about the change cried. I like she cried on me. And then sort of about a week later, she's like, okay, I'm getting my head around it now. I'm handling it now. And now, probably a month or so later, she's in a good place. But also, I've had some people that I've told, and their initial reaction was like, 
great, sounds fantastic. But then a couple of weeks later, it's, oh, gosh, that means that and that and that. And, it, and it's almost like they've gone the opposite way. And we just want to say it's okay wherever you are on that spectrum, as long as you're talking about it, as long as you're going on a journey with us. The worst thing is to happen is for you to be quiet. So in order to try and facilitate that, um, we're asking mission group leaders, um, I'm probably going to send you an email this week, asking you to make sure you spend some time doing the blog questions that go in line with this talk. Because really what we want to do is see mission groups get into chat, to ask questions, to have a safe place, to sort of say how everyone's feeling about this. And then what we'd like to try and do is get the coaches to speak to mission group leaders and just get a feel for how everyone's doing so we can serve you best. So point two is more communication. Can you all say that? done. Matt said it with quite excitement in his voice. You can tell the teacher is coming through. I like that. Okay, number three is more leaders. Uh, Matthew 9 verse 37, the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few. And in a church like ours, growth can actually be held back if we don't have the leaders. God only gives the harvest where there's enough leaders to care for those that he brings. And a simple way to think about this, so we're one gathering at the moment, moving to three. A simple way to think about this is if any of you serve in the church at the moment, all you need to do in the next 12 months is triple yourselves. Okay? It's as simple as that. Great. Everyone's happy about that? Um, That is the reality. We need miles more people to commit and get involved and use their gifts to bless the rest of us. And so perhaps a simple way to think about it is if you lead a mission group right now, then perhaps you need at least two people on your core team that you are training up so in time they can lead a mission group too. If you're serving perhaps on the welcome team and you know anyone else that comes with you that isn't serving on a team, why don't you grab them by the hand, and especially if you like them a little bit, that's a good excuse, grab them (laughs) by the hand and get them to volunteer for the welcome team as well. And so already you've multiplied yourself once. You just need to find one other person and you're there. You can sit back and relax. So uh, everyone needs to triple themselves. And then if I just move on, then no one will worry. Okay, so really looking for new leaders to emerge. And I don't think we've ever said this uh, publicly on a Sunday, but there's three things that we look for in all our leaders. So in whatever capacity you're serving, these three things never change. Number one, we always look for character first. And I think the Bible doesn't mess around. When God uses people in the scriptures, he always prepares their heart first. He always makes sure they're full of integrity and holiness, that they have a servant heart and can be trusted in small things. So when the time comes for him to give them more, they've been faithful already. So every leader God uses goes through that process. And so for you, in order to lead at Mosaic, we'd say, number one, the thing that matters more than your gifting, the more than how talented you are, all that sort of stuff, is your character. And the way we develop those things in Mosaic is that we have these accountability groups, which are just like your best mates, that you spend time with intentionally trying to grow in your walk with God. We also do one-to-one discipleship or mentoring. And if any of you want to do that, then speak to your mission group leader or speak to Hannah or Rich if you're a student. 
Speak to someone about it if you are wanting someone to mentor you, and we'll see what we can do. We run discipleship groups from time to time. So at the moment, Rich and I have got three guys that we are meeting with weekly for 10 weeks to sort of intensively pour into their lives with the hope at the end of it they will become sort of mature self-feeders, people that don't need to necessarily get loads of time with someone else, but they themselves can lead other people and disciple them. And if you want to be in any of those discipleship groups, let us know. But the goal in this is that we work together to become mature in Christ. So number one is character. Number two is competency. And this is about your gifting, learning how to do the job. And the best place for you to learn to serve is in mission group or here on a Sunday. We actually have this. I think at the moment we have about 50% of the church that serve regularly on a Sunday. So basically, if we cut the the line down the middle of Ben... All these people, well done, thank you so much for serving so hard. You're absolute stars. Boo, here's. No, you guys, think of the potential that's in the room. Like, if you guys got to use what you, your gifts, what you're good at, we need you to bring your contribution. You guys could bless all of these guys if you just got involved. I turned it around there, didn't I? Just. Getting involved. This is the form that you guys need to fill in. So they're just out on the welcome desk, and you literally put your details down, you tick what team you want to find out more about, and the person who leads the team, he'll email you and let you know what the job entails. And if you want to do it, then you just say yes. Simple as that. So we'd love to release more people leading in the church, and competency is important. You need to know what you're doing. We really look to train our leaders in the Bible, and at the moment, there's a few different ways in which we do that, but probably the easiest entry point is something called 630 Leadership. Again, all the information is on the welcome table. We run it once a month at 6.30 in the morning. (laughs) Amazingly, about 70 people turn up every Tuesday at 6.30 when we run the course, and we specialize in discipleship stuff, specialize in leadership, and then we have a specialism in the Bible. And we really see that's important in developing leaders that know and love their Bibles. But we also want people to be able to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, uh, actually, in just a couple of months' time, Bob Westerdale and I are going to be running a short series looking at training people in prayer ministry, praying for people, seeing um, them become Christians, seeing them healed, seeing them filled with the Holy Spirit, seeing demons cast out, whatever it is that God wants to do in the moment, we would like to train and equip you guys to do that sort of thing. Just last Sunday, a lad called Ben became a Christian. He goes to the Oak Church Plant. Uh, He came here for his first time. He's only been going to the Oak for a month. And Chris Mason walked over to him and said, would you like to take communion for the first time ever? He said yes. He brought him over to the table and led him through a simple prayer to Jesus. And what a privilege Chris got to do that. And we celebrate with the oak at New Life. But all of us should be able to do that. All of you that are Christians here today, we can have the privilege of leading people to Jesus. So we want to train people to do that. And in June and July, we're going to do a four-week series on the Holy Spirit to really help us get to grips with this wonderful person who is fully God, called the Holy Spirit. So, um, number one uh, is character, number two is competency, number three is chemistry, 
And I guess um, this is how I'd put this part of leadership. Lots of churches have very different ways of being and doing church. Mosaic certainly isn't the perfect church, and we've got lots to learn from other churches, but we do have a way of doing things here. It's sort of like our DNA. And so the hope is that if you are new to the church and want to get involved, that you will pick up sort of our flavor here. You'll pick up our theology, our focus on community and discipleship and mission. And basically, what I'd ask you, if you've served in another church and you're perhaps new here and you're like, I'm waiting for someone to ask me, you know, I've got loads of good gifts to give, I would just ask you for lots of grace, to be honest, just to be patient. Because what we're looking for is just to get to know you and to trust you. We're looking for you to pick up what we're about. So it's like your gifting and your experience dovetails nicely to what God's doing here. And so please be patient. But if you're sat there waiting for someone to ask you, you might be sat there a long time. So I guess I finish this point by saying, why don't you volunteer yourselves? I would love to have the problem on a Sunday of too many people coming up to me volunteering to serve in the church. I hope I have that problem one day. But why don't you just step up? And come forward, and we'd love you to be a part of what we do here. So, can everyone say more leaders? More leaders. Very good. Number four, we're going to get quicker through these points. Number four, more hospitality. The Bible has quite a lot to say on hospitality. It's most, one of the most underrated gifts in church planting. But as we multiply, we expect to grow, and this means more of us need to practice hospitality. Here's a simple way to think about it, okay? I'd like you to think what we do when we gather here on a Sunday, a little bit like your lounge at home. And so it's not that you just kick back and put your feet on the chairs and all that sort of thing. Oh, Marina, I wasn't looking at you at all, but thanks for doing that. Um, The idea is that just as you receive someone in your home, I would hope, say if I was to come to stay the night at your place, my hope is... You might change some sheets and you might like, get a little bit of food in as so I can have a cup of tea and breakfast. I, you might hoover, you might tidy up. I know I'm pushing it a little bit, but the idea is that you prepare for a guest to come. And when we gather here on a Sunday, we try and prepare well for our guests. And there's two things that are just being polite, to be honest. Number one, is arriving before the guests arrive. I don't know if you've ever had that experience of, of not being home when your guests have arrived at the door. I am mortified when that happens. Now, just so you know, anyone that visits Mosaic Church usually arrives 10 minutes before it starts. And on average, people that are part of Mosaic Church arrive 10 minutes after it's meant to start. And so there's quite a big gap between guests and regulars. And I would just want to ask you, come on, this is your home. Let's be there for welcoming guests. And secondly, guests should get the best seats in the house. And you know where the best seats in the house are? At the back. The best seats in the house are at the back because it's at the back you can slip out. It's at the back you can watch. It's at the back. If you're terrified, you can just run for it. 
It's at the back that generally most people feel most comfortable. And that's why the seats at the front are always empty. If you're a regular here, why don't you give up the best seats for the guests? Why don't you just make your way forward? And so you give up your right to be able to observe and check out what's going on, checking out who's here and all that sort of thing. And just make your way forward a little bit and allow those spaces for the people that are most precious here, which are those people that don't know Jesus and that are just our guests. Amen? Amen. So more hospitality. Fifthly, oh, say that. Very good. Thank you. Number five. I don't know what he said. I just heard him say fat. So, oh, right, okay. Uh, Number five, I thought I was getting abuse from the sides here. Number five, more grace. Grace means as we go on this adventure, we can fail and not be failures. That's what grace means. We can fail and not be failures. Because the one whose opinion matters most approves of us. So we will do everything possible that's in our power to make this transition work but it might not work. There might be a gathering or two that just doesn't take. It might be that it just doesn't or isn't able to reach out to the people it wants to reach out to. And as I say, we'll do everything we can to stop that happen, but it might happen, and it will be okay if we've got lots of grace. Grace for each other. Grace to allow for failures. You know what will happen? The whole idea is that by going to three gatherings, that, that we create lots of room for your gifts to come to the surface. And as we do that, as we let your gifts come to the surface, for some of you, you're very inexperienced. You've not brought, perhaps you've not prayed in front of a hundred and something people before. And you'll get up here the, at the front and you'll be shaking away and all this beautiful prayer that you'd practiced and memorized in your mind before you came up will just go to pot and you'll just say something, and everyone be like, did someone just pray? And it was you. And that was your best effort. And you know what? The rest of us, there'll be grace for you to do that. Because we've got to allow for mistakes. We've got to allow for people to have a go. We've got to allow for people to gain experience and not have such a high standard of excellence is that, that everyone feels they can never attain to it. So more grace. And we also need grace towards each other. And I'm actually appealing to you for lots of grace. Because I know we have given as much information as we've got thus far in the process. But there's loads of things that that just aren't a done deal at this point in time. We don't know where any of these gatherings are going to be located yet. We've purposely been very broad. We don't know, we've not told you yet... um, Who's going to be leading those gatherings? Who's going to be on the core team? What things you're going to be doing? Where you're going to be getting involved? And so there's lots of unknowns. And we need grace to handle the tension of what we know and what we don't know. And most of you want to know all the details. But sadly, we're here. And so I need you to have lots of grace in the coming months to handle that tension And bit by bit, as we get our heads around what we're doing, we'll get into a place where we know what we're doing, and then we realize we did it all wrong, and we need to start again and do something different. If there's lots of grace, that's okay. 
Number five, more grace. More grace. Didn't feel like that was as good as the other ones. One, two, three. More grace. Okay, number six, two more to go. Number six, more courage. We said last week that we're wanting to put mission first, above personal preference, above playing it safe. And it's crucial for Mosaic. Otherwise, this church will become very pastorally driven instead of mission driven. Pastorally driven means we just care about what we're doing rather than forgetting the church exists for the sake of those that aren't part of the church. And so mission will keep on pushing us through. And listen, this is the bottom line with this one. Personally, I love Mosaic. I love this church. I think it's absolutely fantastic. If I didn't lead this church, I would come to this church. I love it. But the reality is, the reality is, if you look around, there are very few people here from Yorkshire. Very few people from Yorkshire. And that says to me, we have not done a good job thus far in reaching people from Leeds. And so we look good because we grow through new people coming to Leeds and because Christians already living in Leeds choose to come to this church. And we can fool ourselves into thinking that we're doing a great job when the reality is the number of people saved, baptized, and then added into our community is strikingly low compared to the number of people out there that have never heard. I would love our church to truly represent the city that we meet in. And in part we do with the different flavors of nationalities and the fact that Leeds is a cosmopolitan city. But the reality is we need people from Yorkshire here amongst us. We've got a long way to go on that. So I guess I say all of that, not to sort of be really down on what we do here, but just to say that we, we have by no means made it in terms of mission. And we need a lot of courage to keep moving forward. We need courage just to be honest with how we're really doing. And we need courage to embrace a different lifestyle, all of us, that's lived amongst the lost, that's not in the Christian ghetto, that isn't just about us hanging out with Christian mates, but it means doing life, ordinary, everyday life, with those that are far from God and being a provocative witness so they see Jesus in our lives and it causes them to ask a question, why? Why do you handle suffering differently? Why, when exams come, do you just seem to be at peace when everyone else is stressing out? When that accident happened, how come you were able to keep praying, keep solid, really cry, but remain secure? What is it about your life? And that's the hope. And lastly, oh, let me get you to say that. Number six, more courage. courage. Number seven, more investment. So alongside your enthusiasm and your faith and your commitment on all those other ingredients, I want to be up front and say that we can only do this as we continually invest financially in what we're doing here as a church. There's four things that we're trying to do in the next, well, next Sunday and the Sunday after in our special offering. There's four people we want to invest in, and I hope you see it's totally in line with where we're going as a church as we look to God for £30,000. Everyone say £30,000. Ooh, it's a lot of money. So four people, Steve uh, and Leanne Vaughan, 
The Vaughan's, the church planting in Dublin, it's probably the, in the top five most expensive places to live in Europe. There's a massive need for evangelical churches in that nation and in the capital there. And so we want to send them with a good gift. Dave Horsfall, uh, he is emerging, very gifted church leader who runs our intro course and our more course. And we really want to get him involved with this move to neighborhood gatherings. And so we'd like to uh, release him part-time initially and hopefully at some point full-time to work for uh, Mosaic. Paul Anise um, is currently our administrator and we are just doing so much better because of her and her role is really key in bringing together those three gatherings as one church, which we're going to do really regularly, come together for celebration and prayer and worship. And then lastly, Seacroft, Keith and Anna Nichols. We want to release Keith to serve that very poor, underprivileged part of our city and they're sort of very uniquely gifted to do that. So they're the four people, and this is, again, the bottom line when it comes to this. When we hold special offerings, it gives an opportunity for those people that have never given to Mosaic, that are wanting to get involved, to almost take the first big step. Because what happens is, when you start giving to something, your heart tends to follow. It's like where your treasure is, there's your heart also. And so I know for me, when I pay for something, it gets my attention. So I've handed over the cash. I want to know that it's going somewhere good, that it's going to make a good return on the investment. And so for some of you that are new here, never given before, can I ask you next week, think about using the special offering to take a step of commitment. And as, as you do that, you'll find your heart will follow. For others of you, um, I think a special offering provides a unique opportunity just to s- assess where your giving is at. So this is what's going to happen in the Hatch household this week. I'm going to sit down with my wife, Philippa. We're going to get out the accounts, look at our finances. We're going to pray and ask God, how much do you want us to give? And then we're going to sort of balance those two things and find the way of faith in between. So we're going to look at what we think we could afford to give. We're going to ask God, what does he want us to give? And find a way forward. And for all of you that are part of Mosaic, would you just give some time to that this week? And if you come to the conclusion, I can't give this time, it's absolutely fine. But it's really important you sit down and do the work. And for those of you that are students here that, or don't have a regular income, our advice is always to students is to think about your lifestyle. And so if any of your money goes on anything but you know, living, so buying food, paying rent, paying your bills. If you spend any extra money on going to the cinema, or if you spend extra money on buying a takeaway, or buying a pint, or doing your hobby, or whatever it is, if you spend money in that way, you have got money spare to give. If you don't have that spare cash, then you need to really think about whether you should give or not. Make a sensible decision. But if you have spare cash... You can give if you sacrifice. And so it may be that in the coming weeks and months that you can choose to sacrifice in order to give in to what God's doing here. And I'd really encourage you to spend time thinking and praying about that. And lastly, um, I guess for some of you that have already given to the church and when the bowls come by, you, you know, you 
put some cash in and that sort of thing. We really appreciate the way that you give. But the special offering gives an opportunity for you to really assess whether or not you should give more regularly. And so perhaps it's through a standing order, through it's just making sure it's the first thing that goes out of your bank account in order to get your priorities right. Because if you don't do that and you just say, well, I'll give whatever I've got left at the end of the month, there is never anything left at the end of the month. And so by putting it right at the start of the month, making it a priority, you make sure that you are being a good steward with the money that God gives you. And so please, I I hope you hear my heart. I'm really asking you guys, we can only do this together. It's not going to be one person giving £30,000. It's generally hundreds of people giving a few pounds. That's how it works every time we do a special offering. And so it only works if there's a big sort of commitment involvement from all of you. And please do spend some time thinking about that. So more investment. Can we do this one with the biggest smile on our faces? quite hard to say it and smile at the same time, isn't it? So seven things. This is what we're asking of you, church. This is what we're asking as a family. More mission and community, more communication, more leaders, more hospitality, more grace, more courage, more investment. Mm-hmm.